Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. I am so excited to be back here with you um, talking about something that's near and dear to my heart. As you all know, we are always dis- talking about building wealth as real estate professionals, right? And wealth is when your money works harder than you work. And so with that said, um, today we are talking about what do we do? We, we got to be excellent. We got to be uncommon. We got to be different from everybody else so that we can earn income while trading time for dollars, you know, with working with sellers and buyers and whatnot. But then we can turn that into wealth where wealth is again, working like an army that we send out and uh, brings back uh, uh, hopefully a whole heck of a lot more than it left with, unless you're in cryptocurrency and then you're in trouble. But uh, the rest of us, uh, we'll be talking through all of that. So Sharon, please tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, yeah, let's, let's get rolling. Well, uh, Chris, I've been doing this for a while. Um, I actually started, um, this is going to really date me, 1998. So um, I had uh, I had another business uh, at the time. It was a real estate related business. And a realtor came in to me and said, hey, you want to go to a RIA meeting? And I said something like, what's a RIA meeting? And so I went to that meeting in 1998. And that is where I started. And I've didn't know until that time that you didn't need to be a realtor to and that you to be in real estate. And it opened up a whole new world to me. So I've I've kept one business and invested part-time for about 10 years. And then in 2008, which we know was the best of times and the worst of times, I closed the one business. And in 2008, uh, up until that time, I'd been kind of doing some whole, uh, some rehabs and some buy and holds. And uh, I suddenly found myself an accidental wholesaler. Because as you know, retail buyers couldn't get a mortgage and uh, marketing was really my strength. So it was a perfect fit for me. And um, so that's kind of where I began. My dad was a general contractor. So I used to tag along with him on job sites. Oh, that's awesome. So where are you located now? Where do you live now? I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, cool. So so tell us about, I mean, obviously, so you don't have to be a realtor to uh, to be a real estate professional, which is absolutely, completely true. Got a lot of friends that are are building wealth, you know, even flipping wholesaling properties, buying multi, like all the other stuff that are not actual agents. Um, mm-hmm. So please, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do and what that looks like and, you know, where you are today. Well, today, um, I've been focusing on three things. One was probate investing because you have an an endless stream of leads of people that need your help. And you can use these leads to build wealth through any strategy, whether it's buy and hold. uh, You can even find some commercial properties, although the, the gold is in the single family properties, I think, where those leads are concerned. But also marketing and branding, because I like to say marketing is how you get leads, but branding is why they choose you. So they're, they're like a couple. And no matter what you're going to do in real estate, you can't be the best kept secret in town. So you need, you need to be marketing, whether that's wh- whatever that looks like, whether it's networking, whether it's direct mail marketing, uh, 
cold calling. There's no one way to do it. I have my favorites. Um, I'm not cold calling anybody, just so you know. But um, I love I love marketing and I love the way that you can make yourself stand out from the crowd through effective brand branding by being different. Uh, you know, you've just got to do what when everybody's zigging, you need to zag. That's awesome. So so what does that look like? And uh, can you tell us about a deal? So tell us about a deal that you you've worked recently. Like, where did it come from? What does it look like? You know, tell us the numbers. You mind just diving in something? Well, uh, for me, uh, my my recent deals are have all been probates. I focus solely on probates. And I, I will say this about probates. People think it's kind of weird to work in probates. But you're um, these folks are stuck with that property that they must sell and they're looking for help. Now they're either going to list it or they're going to sell it on, you know, to an investor. You can get some of your most lucrative deals at all. And the why, the reason I like this, and there's no two deals that are really alike, but what you'll find with probate deals is that you have, um, um, a property that in general maybe is really outdated, but it might have a brand new furnace, you know, that it might have a new roof, but it has shag carpet on it. So those deals, you know, it depends a lot on location, you know, your area specific, what you're going to make, whether you're wholesaling, whether you're buying hold. So that, that one's a little bit tougher question to answer since I'm primarily a wholesaler at this time. Okay. Got it. So, um, so you're mainly doing wholesaling. And so tell me this, uh, Probate is your main thing. So uh, let's let's just like dial into your your last deal if that works for you. So mm -hmm. the last deal you did, you went after probate. How did you market to the heirs and trustees? Well, you you need to market to these people with direct mail marketing and not with a postcard. Uh, I don't recommend you use a, a yellow letter. These folks are in a professional legal situation. So the mail piece that works best I found over all these years is a white computer, a computer generated letter. So a mail merge letter that says, Dear Chris, I'm contacting you about this property. And what I have is a, a sequence of letters that kind of takes them along a path. And it says, this is what I do. This is, uh, you may not be ready right now to sell the property, but I'll be here when you're ready. So it's a very low key approach. Uh, you have to take a different approach with these people. And there's no really getting there first because they have to get in the mental, mental space that they're ready to sell their mom's house or their dad's house or whosoever house it is. So um, the thing of it is you just want to be there and be a resource. And if you know anything about direct mail marketing, 81% of your deals will come at or beyond your fifth mailing. So you just want to stay in the game. Now, your competition is all going to quit on or before about the third, uh, the third set of letters that goes out. So you really don't have a lot of competition. But once you build this relationship with these people, and that's what you're doing going down the road, then they'll be ready to sell. And it won't, you know, on their own timeline, they'll be ready to sell. And it won't just be about the money. So one of the things that they're most concerned about is cleaning out the house and you can make just by making their life easier, you can make better profits with, with probates. Yeah. So, so again, let's, let's dive in because I, I really like to, you know, do go like the one-on-one uh, section on it. So, you, okay. so your last, your last probate deal, you sent out a direct mail mm -hmm. uh, letter Mm -hmm. um, and what, it, what was the call to, what was your CDA? What was your call to action on that letter? 
on on that letter, like everyone, I, I, there are two schools of thought when it comes to these. You can either address the elephant in the room, which is somebody has passed away, which is what I do. Or when they call you and they say, how did you get my information? Then you're going to have to have that kind of conversation with them. So I acknowledge that I know that there are, the, I call them the decision maker, the personal representative, because they are the only person that can sell the property, that they are tasked with this um, issue of settling this estate. I tell them a little bit about what I do. And as I said, I'll just tell them that here's how you reach me when you're ready to sell. And then the thing with probates is you want to mail to these folks every month. So everybody, every month. And in this market, in a typical market, the probate might stay open as long as it might sell right away, but it might also be 12, 14, 15 months down the road when it sells. So it's important to understand that this is a consistency game. This is a, I'm going to show up in your mailbox every month. So you just have to be very patient with probates. And every month there is say, it's a circle of life, a new group of probates. So Chris, this month, let's just say that you were to put a hundred in your well, I, I, let's like, I love, I, I definitely want to get into the probate, but let's just stick on that on the last deal real quick. on yep. that one. And, then, okay. and then we'll get into the whole probate okay. mastery and all the, all the stuff on that front. So this particular one, you sent, um, you sent a, a direct mail letter and what, mm -hmm. what did the letter, what was the call to action on that one? Uh, call me when you're ready to sell. Call me when you're ready to sell. Right. And who, who called you, who reached out to you? That you are mailing to the uh, personal representative, which is the executor or the administrator. That is the only person that can sell the property. You, the person that's passed away, there's, they obviously can't sell the property. So whoever's been appointed to uh, by the court or in the will, that'll be the executor if it was a will, they'll be the person. So that's who you're mailing to. But on, this, mailing on this particular case, mm -hmm. was it a brother, a son, a daughter? Who was it that reached, that reached back out to you? It was a, it was a child. I, I think it was a son. Okay. So, so you said it to the son. who's was probably the rec representative, the, mm -hmm. the executor or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. so he reached out to you and what was just so that like, I, I just want to paint a picture for what this whole process looks like mm -hmm. for all of our, for our listeners. So what was the, com how did that conversation go when they, when they gave you a call and did they um, leave a voicemail? Do you have it set up where they leave a voicemail or did they do you have a number where people are getting a live, a live answer? Well, it, it depends if the person is available to answer the phone then or, or not. But in general, it will, the, the goal is, of course, it's always better if you can answer your phone. Mm -hmm. But if you can't answer your phone, then you can have, uh, I recommend, um, uh, depending on the size of your business, you can use anything from sideline, uh, side which I love because it's just on your phone or something big like call rail, depends on the volume of your calls. Um, but it's always best if you can answer the call. But then your goal with that call is to let them uh, to, to let them tell you what it is they want to tell you, and then try to set an appointment. So for this exact, uh, this exact last deal that you did, what what was what did they say when they called and what did that conversation whether it was you or somebody on your staff what did that con what was that conversation how did that sound they they just will introduce themselves and they'll say they got the mail piece and they they will say um, we're interested in selling we're not ready to sell now or we are we are ready to sell now they will tell you exactly where they are in this process so oh. so you just kind of take the cue from them. But 
people think it's going to be strange talking to them. Trust me, they're never going to tell you about the terrible way their parent died or their loved one passed away. They are, they're tasked with this, the business of settling this estate. So they just want to know how you can help them. And they'll either say, I'm ready to move forward or I'm not ready yet, but it's, I'll call you back when I'm ready. They're really very nice about it. So let's just, I mean, literally, I just, I, I just want to stick on this one and then, mm-hmm. and then we'll go through everything. So on this last deal, um, they called and what, what did they say? They said they were ready to sell the property. Okay. They said, Hey, we're ready to sell. Mm-hmm. And they said, what, can you give us a, can you give us an offer? Like, mm-hmm. was there anything else other than that or just straight brass tacks? Hey, can you give us an offer? The no, they would, they taught, they, I asked them questions about the house. And this happens to be that I took the call. So I have to have a property information sheet and I go through the information. I, first of all, I say, tell me about the property and they will start to tell me about the property. Then I'll fill in the gaps with that. And from there, I try to determine if it's a property that I would actually be interested in, if it's a fit. And in this case it was. So then you go out and you, I, I set a time to go out and look at the property. I, it was not too far from me. And I like to see the property and see their recollection of the condition of the property is often different of the reality. <laughs> right, right. So, so I looked at the property. There were some questions about a couple of things. And uh, so I told them I was going back to the office and I'd call them back in an hour or two with an offer. I needed to check one thing out about the property. So, um, and then I, you know, it was just a matter of coming to an agreement on price. And the other thing was cleaning out the house. So they, did they tell you what they wanted for the house before you went out there? um, I I asked them what they're hoping to get. And then I, then I will say, I've always got the property pulled up on the tax assessor site. I'll look at the, the taxable value and I'll say, well, this is uh, this case. I said that's a that's a little high because it's only assessed for this much money, and what you've told me is that it needs a lot of repairs. So I'll come out and take a look. But yeah, it's not going to. I'm not going to be able to give you that much, because I want to set up expectations with them on the phone. I'd like to begin to change their expectations at that point. So on this particular deal, what did they say they wanted uh, for it, and what was the assessed value? I mean, it just I know, just ballpark. Ballpark. Uh, ballpark they wanted 150 and the house was assessed for 120 it would probably comparables were more like 180 but it needed a ton of work but my goal with that was to just begin to let them see that they were not going to get what they wanted to get right so so when you eventually locked it up um mm-hmm. what was what was the number you locked it up for um more like 116, 115, somewhere around there. So I was pretty close on it. It just needed really cosmetics were the big thing. And, and it, it needed a furnace. Right. And since you were, since you mainly do wholesaling, did you, so you locked it up. How much time did you have, did they give you before you had to have that property sold to the end user buyer? And with probates, I always ask for 30 days, um, but I, I rarely don't I rarely need that much time. What I have is a contract a clause in my contract, which was given to me by my closing attorney. 
And you know how you normally put closing will be within like seven days to 21 days or whatever it is you write in your contract. What we put in every probate contract is we add something to that that says upon court slash attorney approval. So closing will be no sooner than seven days, no longer than 30 days upon court slash attorney approval. I had one closing that went five months and I learned very quickly, went back to my attorney and put that in the contract because you don't want your property to go out of contract if something comes up in the probate process. Right. No, that's great. That's great. So what were you able to dispo or sorry, everybody. So dispositions. So acquisitions is getting it under contract dispositions is selling it to the end user buyer. Um, so if you're, if you're not familiar with the wholesaling world, you know, getting rid of like essentially selling, selling the property, what were you able to, to sell the property for? Uh, about one thirty. Okay. Cool. So, so a quick uh, $12,000 wholesale fee mm -hmm. um, on that. And, mm -hmm. and then you're done and you're on to the next, uh, the mm -hmm. next that, that's awesome. So, um, so you see everybody, you, you're seeing basically the process of what a probate uh, process looks like. So Sharon, do you teach, do you teach on the probate piece? I, I do. I do, Chris, because in 2008, when I found probates, there was literally no competition. There were maybe three or four people in my area working probates. Now there are more, significantly more. But if you look at the people on going after the MLS with thousands on for every property, if you've got 20, 25, 30 people, that's not a lot of competition. So I, over time, I put together a course called Probate Investing Simplified. And that's the true. purpose with that course was so that people didn't have to figure it out because they get lost in the middle. They get lost and the biggest thing is how do you find the leads? There are over 3,300 counties in the US and every single county is different. So there's no magic button for finding leads. You gotta do a little bit of detective work, but you can look on Google, uh, your county, your city plus probate. You can uh, look in the newspaper in Louisville, Kentucky, believe it or not, there every shred of information you need is in the newspaper. So they might be online, they might be in the newspaper. Uh, purchase leads are very often actually obituaries. Uh, you really don't want those because you don't know who the decision maker is. And plus, it's just not a good thing to work. But you do a little bit of detective work. Some areas, if you're in New Jersey, God bless you, you're going to have to go to the courthouse. Fort Lauderdale, you're going to go to the courthouse. So, um, but most places, the information is available. You, you just need four pieces of information to work probates, the name and address of the deceased and the name and address of the personal representative. That's it. So let's, let's talk uh, 201, 301 level uh, probate stuff here. Obviously, the interest rates have gone way, way, way up. Um, mm -hmm. uh, when people have passed away, if they still have a loan on the house, um, a lot of times, you know, creative financing can be a an option here because the the deceased isn't going to need their credit for the next uh, the next property. Have have you seen many people doing creative financing subject to loans or or whatnot on on that? I've, I've got a few friends that 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 is kind of their wheelhouse where mm -hmm. they uh, you know they just assume the loan of of the deceased and go on that. Have you seen much of that? No, most states won't allow you to do that because the loan was in the uh, name of the deceased and they are deceased. So in the legal process of settling an estate, the assets have to be converted to cash so that the heirs can inherit what they're due to get. 
So in most cases, you cannot use creative finance. But with that being said, if uh, one of the family members is going to inherit the house, then they may be willing to work some kind of a deal with you doing creative finance. And there's also a list, there are probates, and then there's a separate list that is a purchase list called inheritance. And this would be if someone directly inherited a property, then that person may be willing to do something creatively. But in most cases, it's just, there's no way around it because the probate process is laid out in the this, this state and the assets have to be sold. Like if you're inheriting a property and let's say your sister wanted to do some sort of creative thing with the process that didn't, that left you out of getting your inheritance, you're not going to be on board with that. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, mm -hmm. yeah, because, uh, you know, some of my buddies do that, but but it makes sense that these are properties that have already gone through, you know, they have inherited the property there. Yep. The loan is still in their parents name or whatever. And and the cool thing is people will pay more like investors can pay more for something that's got 10 years left on a mortgage because, you know, whatever it's you know, it's at the end of the AM schedule. Most of what's being paid is paid down and a low interest rate and all the other fun stuff. So that's, that's really, that's really interesting. So Sharon, tell us, um, uh, I know we've only got a, a few minutes left before the top of the hour here. Tell us this, um, if somebody's looking to, um, to learn more about probate, obviously you have your, your program, you have your class. If, if somebody's just looking for general information, um, there's a lot of people that, that teach a lot of different stuff on probate. What do you think is, is the real differentiator between like what you're doing versus, you know, just like the other, like you just type in probate investing or whatever, something like that. Like, what is the difference there that of what you're doing versus what a lot of, you know, other people out there are doing? I think the difference is I have a lot of experience with this. I've done it for a long time. And I understand, you'll hear people say, well, you don't really need to understand the process you don't need to know anything about the terminology. Well, you really do because the people that you do not have to be an attorney. Don't don't get think that. But you have to understand when people say to you, when they ask you a question, uh, you have to have a basic understanding of how the process works in your state. And you can Google this. So I think the part that I do is I understand very clearly the mindset of the seller and I understand the mindset of the investor. And I understand what they need to know in the middle before they spend a boatload of money on direct mail and then just waste that money. And then once you get down to the end, I under, because I know a lot about marketing and branding, I really know how to make these happy people that will come back and refer you to someone else. You know, they'll, they'll say, it was great working with Chris. This is not a probate, but call Chris about your property. So I think that that it's my understanding and the success I've had in this niche that is the differentiator. That's and great. I have a ton of free stuff on the, my blog, the Louisville Gals Real Estate blog and the Let's Talk Real Estate Investing podcast. So you can get a boatload of free information over there on probates and as well as other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. So, so tell me, tell us again, um, the, the blog, what, what is the website again? It's Louisville Gals Real Estate Blog. And then the podcast is Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. And you can get to the podcast, the course, you can get to everything from the blog. And I can send you those links. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes and, um, and go from there. Sharon, what question should I have asked you that we didn't ask you today? 
Well, I think the question you should ask me is, uh, when should you start marketing to these folks in probate? That's a that's a confusing thing. People people worry about being first. They worry about I've got to get there first. You know that somebody just passed away when. And that's not the case. When they open the probate, which might be a month or two, or it might be nine months or a year down the road, they're raising their hands saying they're ready to move forward with the sale of the property. That's the time that you start marketing. The second thing is the most important thing about the marketing process. The marketing piece of it is to be consistent, to mail everybody every month, as long as the house is available. That's great consistent going after it. Well, that's, that is awesome. So um, guys, Sharon is uh, obviously she, she's well-versed in probate. Um, it is a, it is a niche market that uh, a lot of people are not going after. There are riches in the niches. So let's uh, um, you know, definitely look into that and uh, definitely check out Sharon. All of her info will be in the show notes and uh, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us here today. And uh yeah, please, guys, reach out. Now, uh, for everybody listening in, please, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving us an honest review, we'd really appreciate that. Um, if I can do anything for you, please reach out at Crad Rock on Instagram. I'm personally answering all of those, uh, everything there. And then the last thing, I, I'm just sharing this out a lot. Like, this is not like a big, big pitch because I know a lot of people do do that a lot. But uh, since we joined uh, EXP Realty, we are um, we found a way that we you know, partner with, with a lot of folks. And we found a way to partner, be in each other's world. So if that's something you'd ever be interested in uh, being a part of, please reach out. We'd love to share how we can partner uh, together uh, with that because yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, just jumping in, uh, in business together with a lot of folks. So it's been incredible. Sharon, thank you so much for teaching us how to build wealth. Uh, guys, as much as, uh, um, wholesaling that is great. I do hope that you'll also consider saving and keeping some of those properties and keep them for yourself. Um, and uh, yeah, let's go out, build wealth, uh, create a legacy and generational wealth for you and your family. Sharon, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.